I'm Monsignor Bill Parent, pastor of St. Elizabeth Church, and you're listening to the St. Elizabeth Church podcast. This episode is one of five talks by our parish clergy from our 2021 Lenten series, Three Simple Things, Truth, Accountability, and Transparency in Our Church and Nation. Here is the third talk in this series by Deacon Mark Aislin, recorded live on Tuesday, March 9th. A reading from the first letter of John. Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. Everyone who loves is begotten by God and knows God. Whoever is without love does not know God, for God is love. In this way, the love of God was revealed to us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might have life through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as expiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. Yet if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is brought to perfection in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us, that he has given us of his spirit. Moreover, we have seen and testify that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. Whoever acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. We have come to know and to believe in the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever remains in love remains in God and God in him. In this is love brought to perfection among us, that we have confidence on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, and so one who fears is not yet perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God but hates his brother, he is a liar. For whoever does not love a brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. The word of the Lord. Good evening. This is part three of our Lenten series on three simple things, truth, accountability, and transparency in our church and nation. This evening, I invite us to reflect on the Holy Trinity, 
and God's love, as we've just heard in this passage from the first letter of St. John. There's a famous, if apocryphal, story from the Middle Ages about St. Augustine. It says that while he was contemplating the Trinity, perhaps in preparing to write his book on the Trinity, he strolled the beach deep in thought, struggling to get his mind around the concept. He came across a child playing in the sand. He watched as the sand, as the boy was filling buckets of water from the water's edge and carrying them to a hole where he poured the water. Augustine asked the boy what he was doing. The boy replied with an angelic smile, I'm emptying the sea into the hole. Augustine responded, you know that's impossible, right? Without missing a beat and looking straight into Augustine's eyes, the boy replied, so is trying to find out the immensity of the Trinity with your puny brain. Completely nonplussed, Augustine walked on down the beach, and when after several steps he turned around, he looked back and the child was gone. Augustine then knew that God had just punked him. St. Augustine asks, how do we picture God? Sometimes I look into the night sky, especially in an area where it's dark, and you can see all of the stars filling the sky, and try to imagine the immensity of God with my puny brain. Sometimes I imagine or picture Michelangelo's God of the Sistine Chapel, or maybe even a cigar-smoking George Burns. But Augustine says... There is something you may imagine if you would see God. Love. John tells us that love is of God. Well, what do we mean by love? It's a word we liberally use. I can say that I love God, of course. I love the Catholic Church and St. Elizabeth in particular. I love my parents and some of my siblings. I love my wife and daughter. I love chocolate cheesecake and chocolate devil's food cake and, well, let's just say I love chocolate. I love scotch and bourbon because it's cheaper. I love going to the movies as it turns dusk, dusk on a midsummer's eve. I love the sounds and smells of a baseball game. I love, well, you get the point. We also equate, equate love with romantic and sexual love. A now quaint term for sex is love-making. But what does John mean when he says love is of God? John explains, love, God is love. Aha. So just as the Word was with God and the Word was God, love is of God and God is love. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, love from love. The Father loves the Son and the Son the Father, 
It cannot be anything other than this because the Son and the Father are love. And if we don't have love, we haven't got God in us. We love because God first loved us. God loves us. God just does. There isn't any expectation in return. No quid pro quo. God freely offers love. What's more, everything that God does is love. We know from Genesis that God's love is creative. The universe in which we live, the world that we know, the kingdom of God in breaking, everything emanates out of a God who is love. Out of love, God made us. Out of love, God gave us intellect, will, and reason. God gave us love, and from love, the values of truth, freedom, and justice are born and grow. Human life and society is ordered, bears fruits of goodness, and responds to human dignity. How do the Father and the Son make known their love? John tells us that the Father demonstrates his love for us by sending his Son into the world. There are two interrelated reasons for this expression of love. He sends his Son into the world in order that we might have life, and he sends him as expiation for our sins. For the Son's part, the Son makes known his love by offering himself to the Father for the forgiveness of our sins. The Son makes himself accountable for the sin of humanity. The incarnation, then, and also the suffering, death, and resurrection of the Son are manifestations of the love of God for us. How does God share God's love with us? The Son eternally exists with the Father, and through the incarnation, the Son breaks into our world. The love of the Father breaks into the world as the Son. He deigned to become like us in all ways but sin. The Son who is Jesus, God becomes transparent to us. Through Jesus the Son, we come to know the Father. As Jesus told Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. We don't experience the love who is the Father except through the love who is the Son. Jesus explains further, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. On account of the Son, who shares in our humanity through the Incarnation, and who redeemed us through his suffering, death, and resurrection, we are exalted to become like the Son in his divinity. Through the waters of baptism, we become like the Son in his relationship to the Father as adopted sons and daughters of God. And as God's adopted children, we remain in God and God in us. How do we know this? John explains that the Son sent the Holy Spirit, who is love. The Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son 
flows from the overabundance of love of the Father for the Son and the Son for the Father, which, like from a bursting dam, flows into us. We are the beneficiaries of God's loving effluence by being bathed in love through the Holy Spirit in baptism and confirmation. We are loved to death and brought into new life. Throughout our lives, this love is manifested in the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, chastity, and of course, charity itself. What these fruits of the Holy Spirit imply, then, is that this love of God, which infuses our lives, must not remain in us, but be shared. John is blunt, and his statement comes from his community's experience of being hated. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For whoever does not love a brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This reflects the great commandment that Jesus gave us. You shall love God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If we keep God's love in us, if we love God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if we pray and fast and give alms, in other words, if we share the love that is God with others in a concrete way, not simply in our minds and hearts, but by sharing in the Eucharist and by sharing what we have with others, we perfect, that is to say, we make complete the love of God in our lives. So when judgment comes, we have nothing to fear because the love of God lives in us. The many affections that I mentioned at the start may be part of it, I certainly give praise to God for the love of family and friends and community and the simple pleasures of life. But the love that is God that we share comes to us in the Holy Spirit, in friendship with God, and out of the divine goodness that is unstinting and freely offered. It is an act of our will, first and foremost, to share that love. Emotions as with our love for spouse and children, may accompany. But accepting and sharing the love that is God requires the assent of our will, just as Mary did when she said yes at the Incarnation. And so now, as Augustine earlier challenged us to imagine God, we can imagine God as love, with feet that take us to church, with hands that help others to eat and be comforted, and in the hands and feet of our crucified Lord, whose death and resurrection showed us how much love God really is. In his recent encyclical, Fratelli Tutti, Pope Francis writes, if we go to the ultimate source of that love, which is the very life of the triune God, we encounter in the community of the three divine persons the origin and perfect model of all life and society. 
Each of the three persons of the Trinity serves as a model for us in different ways. God the Father shows us that we should be creative. We should help build our church, community, and world. God the Son shows us to be peacemakers, to heal the wounds of sin and division. God the Spirit exemplifies the need to teach truth against ignorance. Our lives as Christians, modeled after the Holy Trinity, are fundamentally communal and in unity, fundamentally in love with one another and in God, and fundamentally joyful and hopeful. We are part of God's community of love. Moreover, our relationships ought to be Trinitarian, vertically between God and ourselves, and horizontally between one another. This is countercultural in a society in which rugged individualism is the religion. In this discussion of the, th- the love of the Holy Trinity, you may have picked up on three simple things, truth, accountability, and transparency. Jesus reveals himself as the path to the Father with I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus also makes himself accountable for humanity's sin despite being sinless. In the way he lived his life, a life of service and suffering, Jesus was the pure and spotless sacrificial offering on our behalf. And Jesus is transparent. The Father shines through the Son. It is through the Son that we come to know the Father. In this way, originating in the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the values of truth, accountability, and transparency are modeled for us by our Lord and Savior. Despite the many, many selfless men and women who give to others the bountiful love that God has given them in holy orders and in religious life. There have been a significant but still small number of broken people who out of forgotten promises, psychological issues, perversions of affections, and the work of the devil have taken advantage of the trust automatically given them by the faithful, willy-nilly, mistreating and harming children and adults. In addition, a small number of our shepherds have, I hope mainly in the past, whether through lack of knowledge and understanding or lack of sufficient reflection or out of fear or worse, out of an abuse of power, have sheltered and abetted the abusers. For men and women who have ostensibly devoted themselves to serving the Lord How can this be? Returning to St. Augustine, we find insight, however startling. Augustine tells us, To have baptism is possible, even for a bad person. To have prophecy is possible, even for a bad person. To receive the sacrament of the body and blood of the Lord is possible, even for a bad person. 
to have the name of Christ is possible even for a bad person. That is, even a bad person can be called a Christian. I say, to have all these sacraments is possible even for a bad person. But to have love and to be a bad person is not possible. As startling and troubling as these words are, they end in hope. They are a warning, not a condemnation. We are all learning to make the love that, is, that God shared with us whole and perfect in ourselves. We might understand what has happened in the case of the abusers and their enablers as the fundamental nature of their relationships becoming disordered. In an environment made conducive by clericalism, they experienced isolation from the Trinitarian community of love that they once enjoyed. They compartmentalized as their actions betrayed them. They participated in the sacraments without realizing the grace that they received from them. We shouldn't be reticent to speak up against the lack of love in the actions of others. Not correcting another is not love, Augustine says, but feebleness. Love the sinner, hate the sin, he explains. He continues, but even if you be severe at any time, let it be because of love for correction. For this cause was love betokened by the dove which descended upon the Lord. That likeness of a dove, the likeness in which came the Holy Spirit, by whom love should be shed forth into us. Why was this? The dove has no gall, yet with beak and wings she fights for her young. And so, in and for the love of God, we should insist with the fierceness and love of the dove that a bishop act as a shepherd to his people. We should look to our shepherds to communicate well and often and truthfully, to provide fiscal transparency and to enact greater diversity of thought and lay involvement, and I don't mean company CEOs, on diocesan and Vatican recommendation and decision boards. We should trust and enable structures that engender trust. Let's recall the Russian proverb, Deverie no proverie. Deverie no proverie. Made famous by President Reagan as trust but verify. If trust in people is weak, then structures that verify are all the more important. There is no shame in that. As we turn next in our talks to the civil sphere, we should also, in and for the love of God, challenge our elite with our Christ-derived values of truth, accountability, and transparency. This is a ground fraught with political sensitivities. But we must all confront ourselves and others with the question of whether our thoughts and actions are consistent with the qualities of God's love? Are we building up the moral and social fabric of our nation? 
do we act as peacemakers? Do each one of us respond to our political, economic, and ecological exigencies, not out of political ideology, but out of God's love? Are we being honest with ourselves, and are our leaders being truthful with us? Do we shut down the free exchange of ideas? Do we ascribe to theories unsubstantiated by fact? How are we acting out of truth, accountability, and transparency in and for all that we do? Can we shed our naivete, bitterness, and cynicism? In other words, Have we let ourselves be transformed by the inexhaustible love of the Father and Son flowing into our lives from the Holy Spirit? I close this reflection with the following story from another time and another social crisis, albeit one that we haven't yet resolved. In the end, it's about a mother who had perfected love in her own life. Note again that this kind of love, God's love, takes an act of will. In 1955, Emmett Till, a 14-year-old boy, encountered a white woman in a small grocery in Mississippi and was accused of flirting or whistling at her. The woman's husband and his half-brother abducted Emmett, beat and mutilated him, shot him in the head, and sank his body in the river. After three days, his body was discovered and raised from the riverbed. His mother, Mamie Mobley, insisted on an open casket funeral so that people could see what they had done to her son. She was later asked if she had bitterness towards the two men. This is what she said. It certainly would be unnatural not to hate them. Yet I'd have to say that I'm unnatural. The Lord gave me a shield. I don't know how to describe it myself. I did not wish them dead. I did not wish them in jail. If I had to, I could take their four little children. They each had two. And I could raise those children as if they were my own, and I could have loved them. I believe the Lord meant what he said and tried to live according to the way I've been taught. And now, St. Francis Xavier's favorite prayer. Most Holy Trinity, who live in me, I praise you, I worship you, I adore you, and I love you. Let the Son lead us to the Father through the Spirit to live with and in the divine love that is the triune God forever and ever. Amen.